So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta? And welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Swart. And today, y'all, um, we have someone who is honestly one of the more passionate people I've met who's talked about talking about like the need for education and awareness around physiology, specifically women's physiology and sport. Uh, we have Dr. Amanda uh, Smith with us. She is a chiropractor in both the Decatur and Marietta area. And guys, she is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, birth control, uh, training around your period, uh, why you should test hormones in certain ways, the difference between men and women uh, with their hormones, and why those differences are important, as well as she has an extreme passion about bringing the knowledge of the limited, limited availability of knowledge with uh, women's physiology and sport to the forefront of the conversation to make sure that we can bring more knowledge to the conversation. Because in her words, knowledge is power. She wants to empower as many women as she can. So uh, without further ado, uh, Doc Amanda, thanks for being on the show with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So um, what are we going to, what are we about to dive into here? So like, what are you, um, why are you so, and why are you so passionate about some of the things that you're about to talk about? Oh man. Uh, so there's a huge research gap in women's healthcare and then women's sports specifically. And uh, I'm just trying to bring uh, light to that, that topic. Um, I think more and more people are talking about it and I just want to be one of them that's, that's bringing that to the surface. Yeah. I love it. Sp- screaming from the mountaintops, right? Like, uh, I-, I think it's true. There's like, uh, I'll never forget. I was sitting in PT school and we were going through a, um, we were going through like a, like a research class and the professor brought to our attention. I had never known this before. Nobody ever said anything like this to me before. And this is like year six of my, my seven years of schooling, right? Like, um, that women were excluded from most major studies when it comes to pharmaceuticals or other, other studies in the medical community, uh, because women hormones are so hard to regulate and keep track of. Right. And, 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 uh, not just keep track of, but, um, um, control for in a randomized control study. So, um, I was blown away by that. And I'm so glad that people like you are bringing these issues to the, to the forefront of medical conversation. So, um, yeah. And you said something interesting when we were talking before the show that, uh, this was the, uh, like the Tokyo Olympics was the first, or was the first Olympics that had a equal representation of sport, um, on the Olympic level from, uh, 49 to 51, I think is what you said, correct? Yep. Yeah. This is the first year that men and women were represented equally, which I was really surprised, you know, like I just always, you know, grew up and I was like, I never looked into that, but definitely the first year. Um, and then, so like that got me looking at more things. And then I wanted to read more about women's specifics, uh, exercise physiology and how that played into the role of, of participating in sports. And, um, I found this really crazy meta analysis. There was like 12.5 million participants 
and it was done in 2021, and only 6% of those studies focused exclusively on women. So it almost seems like the marketing department cares more about women's health than the research department, which is really upsetting for me as a clinician. Yeah. So like, uh, why is that, why do you, uh, why is that gap so upsetting then? Like, what, what are you seeing as being a potential problem of the marketing departments being so um, involved without the research departments being so involved? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, we have a lot of women specific injuries um, that we see, you know, whether it's stress fractures or um, amenorrhea or autoimmunity or ACL tears or post-concussive syndrome that's more severe in women when they get a concussion in the luteal phase versus the follicular phase or POTS or, I mean, I could go on and on about more things that happen to women um, or that we see it more in women or it presents differently. And uh, we'll say things like, you know, the, oh, that's an atypical heart attack. And we're like, but no, that's how women present. They typically don't just have chest pain. They have arm pain and jaw pain and things like that. That's not atypical. That's, you know, that's what a woman presents as. Um, so just really um, trying to uh, be the master of that knowledge so I can, you know, bring more awareness to it. Yeah. And then so like, um, so kind of get into that. So like you start talking about like the follicular, follicular phase and all these different phases that, uh, men are super simple, right? Like, uh, like, uh, I mean, our hormones are really aren't that all, all that all aren't all that complicated, especially when we you compare that to our women counterparts here. So like, what does it mean when, when you go through and like talk about these different phases and your different hormones and how like you can, uh, higher likelihood of tearing ACLs in certain phases, or, um, maybe you should do hit tra- or like some, like, uh, hits do, um, some more focused on like strength training in certain phases or hit training in other phases. Like, can you go, go into a little bit more detail about that and what all that means? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, um, I'll break down the menstrual cycle. And I definitely want to give I really like research. So I want to give credit for uh, foremost to like Stacey Sims, for what I'm going to talk about now. I really like her. Um, she's like this badass athlete female. Um, and I would equate her to we, we really don't have that many um, women, I feel like in in research that we want I want to headline like Barbara Drinkwater in the 80s, she kind of pioneered um, the female athlete triad. And uh, then 2014, we had reds and the women behind that. Um, but a lot of that's not as adequate as what Stacey Sims is doing. A lot of that stuff's outdated. So uh, I think this is like the the most recent stuff. So um, yeah, the, the menstrual cycle, basically, I, I, I've seen it broken down in up to seven phases. And I think that's too many and too confusing, but but I like to break it down into four weeks, right? Four months in, or four weeks in the calendar month. So um, week one is is when you start bleeding. That's when menstruation occurs and uh, hormones are at their lowest at that point. And um, that's the follicular phase um, or early follicular phase is what we'll call week one. And then week two is what we'll call late, fo- late follicular phase. And that's when estrogen kind of begins to surge. Um, and uh, then we have ovulation at around day 12 to 14. Um, and that's when that egg moves from the ovary to the uterus. Um, and that's the only time of the month that um, women can can become pregnant. Now, it's not always day 12 to 14. So I don't want you to, to come up with those hard labels. That's why it's important to get like luteinizing strips or uh, do the temperature method or something like that um, to make sure you're ovulating on those days. But those are just general markers. Um, so then after you ovulate, you move into what's called the luteal phase. And then early luteal phase is uh, when we see progesterone start to kind of rise. And that's when that, that phase is probably the least advantageous to train. 
Um, I'll get to kind of the training overview in a second, but then, and then week four is the late luteal phase. And that's when all the hormones start to come down again, um, in preparation for menstruation and shedding that uterus line, uterine lining. Um, but week one and the whole follicular phase is more ideal to train than the luteal phase. Um, in the luteal phase and, and in ovulation specifically, um, your body, or sorry, not your body, my body <laughs> doesn't sure. care about, um, <laughs> sorry, doesn't care about a stage race or a marathon or anything like that. It only cares about, um, evolutionary biology, which, um, states that, you know, um, we want to reproduce the planet. So that, that's that, that evolutionary biology really drives, um, and, and if you think of hormones through that lens, then you can really understand like, oh, okay, that makes sense that you're expending more energy for that egg and to prepare the uterus for a home, you know, for this, this baby or whatever. Um, and doesn't really care about my exercise metrics. Yeah. I think that's a, that's wild. That's, that's a ton of information right there. Right. Like let's unpack that a little bit. Cause I think it's really interesting. I had a patient, um, who yeah. brought up this conversation with me actually just yesterday, yesterday. Yes. Yesterday. Um, where she was, uh, you know, she's about to work with a, with a woman specialist from a on the nutrition side of things, because, um, man, she mm -hmm. wants to take a deeper dive into like her, like, a like eating, um, how could she just get more information on like her nutrition and her diet with, as it pertains to train or like her training and her, um, and her cycle. Right. So the, uh, and it's, she's brought up something very interesting. I just didn't know the answer to you, but like, she's like, I just feel hungrier in certain phases or like at certain like points of the week. And I'm like, yeah, that has to be hormone driven. I would assume, yep. right. Like, and there probably is a reason for the hormones yep. to, want to upregulate to, uh, increase your caloric, uh, intake for particular reasons, but I had no idea the reason behind that. I'm sure you can dive into it a little bit more. Yeah, totally. Um, your resting metabolic rate changes. So does your blood glucose, um, or your blood sugar can be unstable, like insulin resistance changes, um, specifically in that, that ovulation that, that seems to be the most, the, the most variables from what I've read happen during that week three. Um, and that's a really sensitive week. Um, so if you just think about that, your body's trying to make the most hospitable environment to have a baby. So you're going to increase nutrients have a little more fat, have a a little more carbs for, um, just to have a nice home for that baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. and then I, I'm, uh, blood sugars also, uh, you you have less insulin resistance that at that time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that would be, that would be the key players there <laughs> or the key reasons. <laughs> yeah. Makes a ton of sense. Right. Like, um, and so like, and like your body's really pretty intuitive and pretty smart. So like, if it knows that like, uh, your resting metabolic rate is increasing, it's probably going to release what is what's a hormone ghrelin uh, to make you a little bit more yeah. healthy, right? So um, yep. makes a ton of sense. So what? Um, okay. So then knowing these things in terms of uh, you have different hormone upregulations or downregulations, you have different insulin sensitivity rates. You have different uh, like it, every week, week to week is kind of different, right? Uh, in terms of like how your body yeah. feel and respond. Uh, what would be some intelligent ways for women to kind of train in this uh, with this knowledge now? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of like an undulating periodization model versus like a linear periodization model. I don't really like just throwing volume at people like in what I mean by like, say we're, we're just talking running or, or cycling, like you're just running a ton of miles for like six weeks and then you get a down week. I really like the idea of like maybe three up weeks and then a down week. Mm -hmm. And then the down week would be that week three. Um, and you would have like, uh, you can still keep intensity higher, but you might not hit your times because progesterone, um, actually can cause, um, decrease or sorry, increased resting heart rate, um, increased respiratory rate, increased core temperature, decreased sweat rate. And, um, 
decreased time to exhaustion. Um, so progesterone is not advantageous and not an advantageous hormone for um, women that want to exercise. Um, it also increases muscle catabolism. So you want to increase more protein at that time. Oh, um, but we're just thinking, yeah. So we're just thinking about that. That's a, a, um, a rest week and, um, it, it, not, not a, or sorry, not a rest week, but a down week. Um, progesterone is also, this is really nerdy is a competitive inhibitor to aldosterone. So when we have in decreased aldosterone binding, we have decreased sodium retention, uh, which decreases blood volume, which decreases cardiac output, um, which then decreases blood pressure. So um, all those things we have to think about at that time. But um, those are those are kind of the the negative things. But if we move to like back to week one, um, week one um, is the preferred competition window, and we actually see a lot of like strength training PRs and faster time trials in that time. So if you're going to do like a mile time trial um, or test test your one rep max, that would be the week to do it, like week one or two. Um, and then your HRV is also higher at that time and your sleep oh, nice. efficiency is better in the follicular phase. So uh, I'm not sure if anyone's heart rate variability. Um, I use a whoop, um, and it also tracks menstrual cycle things. Yeah. So, um, aura ring also does that and Apple watch and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and then, then do you see that correlate with your, with your, you said you use the whoop band. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of cool because, um, you just, I think you, the reason also like my, my theme kind of is knowledge is power. Um, you, you kind of want to take away the neg negative chatter or like reasons that you, you have a bad workout. Cause I know I'm, I'm very competitive. So if I don't hit my times, um, like that, sometimes that can like ruin my day. I'm like, man, like I slept enough last night or I did this thing. I ate enough, like what's going on. And, um, then you can be like, oh, well, like I'm in the luteal phase, like I'm ovulating or whatever. So that's why. And then you're like, oh, okay, well that's okay. You know, that's a reason why. But if it happens in the follicular phase, then you can kind of narrow it down and be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I didn't eat enough or um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it just gives you like a lot of like, it gives you a lot of different levers you can pull, right? In terms of, especially if you're training, uh, training at any level, but especially as you start getting into like the competitive levels, right? Like um, mm -hmm. knowing this information is going to be super important for you to know, like when to really push yourself versus when to dial it back. Um, so then how do you, wh what would be your recommendation for, because I work with a, with a number of women who are pretty, um, like they run pretty high mileage, like every single, every single month, right? Like every single week in particular, like, uh, they're competitive runners. And, uh, is it, does it turn into a point where like, cause I agree with you, right? Like this is not to be controversial by any means. Knowledge is power for sure. Does it turn into a point where it's like, I mean, like it just is what it is at some, at some point. And like, uh, like if you're training for like a, like a marathon, right? Like, um, and you're training, say you're training to qualify for Boston and, uh, you just know you have to get in certain miles. Mm -hmm. Like, is it more or less like you're looking at like, okay, here's why you might be a little bit like, uh, here's why these runs might be a little bit tougher this, this week versus not running at all. Right. Or no. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm, I personally, I, I mean, I feel like crap when I actually take time off, you know, like that's definitely necessary at yeah. points of the year to take an entire week off, you know? Um, but like, if I'm not saying to take one week off, um, every month by any means, yeah. um, but just to know that like, you might not feel as good and that's okay. You know? Um, this is why, um, but then for like a marathon, um, you could, you could kind of program your taper also. Um, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with like the marathon flu or uh, like open window theory? Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Do you know about that? Yeah. So like, right. Like the, um, and just to kind of clarify in case people don't like, um, like if you're, your long run right before your, your longest run leading up to a marathon is 22, 24 miles or whatever, um, that like 72 hours afterwards, you're pretty susceptible to illness. So you want to make sure you time that, 
um, with a point of your menstrual cycle that um, is not, or is, that is advantageous for your immune system because um, certain parts of the menstrual cycle actually decrease um, antibody and inflammatory responses. So, right, you'd want to time it where you're in the good phase that you don't have that going against you also. So maybe instead of doing you know, it de- depends if it's McMillan or Daniels, whoever you follow, if it's 14 days or three weeks or whatever for a taper, maybe, maybe change it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So then, um, that's super great. So then like, um, should, it, so if you're training for a marathon, especially if you're a competitive athlete, um, uh, mm-hmm. would it be advantageous for, uh, I guess men or women, but we'll, we'll keep the conversation focused on women right now. Um, to test your hormones on a more regular basis? Uh, and what would be like the appropriate way to test that? Like, should you just rely on like temperature and whoop and, and Apple watch and all these things? Or is there more, or can you get more into the weeds with it if you wanted to? Absolutely. Yeah. I've become more and more a fan of, of blood work and um, saliva testing, um, both the longer I'm in practice for everyone, um, because um, testosterone is actually really volatile. I'll talk about men for just a second, because um, that one's easy to talk about. Um, so testosterone is high in the morning um, and lower at night. Um, and so if we're really going to test testosterone accurately, we should be doing spit tests and you should do it about four times a day um, and see those trends um, versus one blip of time to do blood work and blood work only does total hormones right and then total hormones is is uh free hormones and bound hormones and we really want to look at those free hormones and you look at those through saliva and cortisol is the same way what's the difference between like bound and free hormones i'm sorry no, you're good. Um, so, so bound or and bl- bound slash AKA globulin. So, so you have like sex blind binding globulin and then like, um, I, th- I think you have like uh, thyroid binding globulin and things like that. Those are like storage sites for those, those hormones. So yeah. they just kind of hang out there until they're needed. Um, and they're not really, they don't, they don't play a role role. Like the, the free hormone hypothesis talks about that. If anyone wants to read about it more um, and really the free hormones are the only ones that are active. They're the only ones that we care about. So to get a blood test and to tell someone that their total testosterone, that's, that's pretty irrelevant. Um, we don't even care. That's, that's just one blip of time. And that's only to- total. So progesterone and estrogen are the same way. Um, but, but they're, they're different at, uh, they're, they're what we call, uh, I believe all hormones versus they have a, a monthly, um, rhythm versus testosterone is more of a diurnal hormone that has a 24 hour rhythm like cortisol. Yeah. So, um, we would want to test estrogen and progesterone, uh, two times a month. And there should be certain values that they should be at depending on, um, what phase you're in. And if they're not, um, same with cortisol, if it's, if it's not where it should be, then there's ways to kind of, um, help that along. Gotcha. That's awesome. So, <laughs> then, um, so say, so, all right. So then say you're, um, say you're setting up like a 12 month training plan right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, I'm going to fucking crush it this, this year. And I'm going to qualify for Boston. I'm going, and then like, I'm going to do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. What would be, so we, uh, I won't make you run through a full 12 month training program. That <laughs> would be, man, we have, have three more podcasts for that. Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, such a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, in a gross overview, right? Like what would be like the key things where you're like, all right, man, like, outside of your actual like training itself, like the actual like uh, volume that you're going to have a running coach for and everything else. Like mm-hmm. what are some things on the hormonal side or what are some things on the excess physiology side um, that a woman in particular would really want to kind of pay attention to? What are some of the key takeaways there? Yeah. So I would test hormones like definitely in the beginning of the year. So like just say January, um, especially like, you know, 
I think we, we tend to be like less active in the winter. Like everyone's still training, like we're still doing our thing. And I mean, maybe some people are still are more active. Maybe we're doing more higher volume on the trails or whatever in the snow, who knows. Um, but I think it's as a whole, you know, depending on where you live, um, as a whole, I think people are less active in the winter just, just things change, you know, you might be getting more sleep though. Um, and that, and sleep affects hormones, but either way, hormones are being affected depending on what time of the year it is. So we want a good picture of that. And we want to make sure that you're where you should be and that you can train appropriately. Um, right. And then, um, it depends on what philosophy you go after, right. There's, there's a lot of people that want to do like what they call base miles in the early phases. Um, I, I particularly like to throw in more workouts throughout the, the season. I don't, I don't think you have to do a bunch of base miles to be good. You can, you can do both at the same time. And then, right. As you get closer to your key race, you know, you, you taper a little bit more and do higher intensity versus higher volume, um, depending on the race. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's super cool. And then of course, throw in some gym stuff too, depending on what the athlete's doing. Um, definitely go to the gym to prevent injuries. Um, if it's a more marathon or right, you're going to the gym to prevent injuries versus if, uh, for a cyclist, I'm going to the gym to, to produce more power, um, yes. on the bike. Um, so different, different reasons, but still going to the gym is also important. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How often do you recommend going to the gym if you're training for like, uh, say you're training for a marathon, right? Um, this is probably a yeah. question. There's no direct, there's no like black or white answer to this, but yeah. how often would you recommend an endurance athlete training in the gym? I think, I think the research says that you can go to the gym and lift weights twice a week and still get some gains. And um, then I like to throw in uh, one to two core sessions also additional to that. Um, as well as whatever your, your volume is or your weekly volume and weekly intensity. Um, and I, I, I'm really big on, on making hard days hard and easy days really easy. So, um, I would, I would do me personally, I would do a hard track day and I would, you know, rest, eat a little breakfast, do something if I can, and then, um, go to the gym right afterwards. And then, and, you know, I'm, if I was a pro athlete, I would lay on the couch the rest of the day, but for me, I go to the work, I go to work, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh man, that's awesome. So then, uh, man. Okay. So then what about like testing hormones? I, I know we kind of got into it a little bit, but like, um, what are some of the major differences between like men and women when it comes to exercise physiology with like, uh, let's just take like a three month, uh, training cycle, uh, from like, uh, I know we talked about like winter being a, being a differentiator. So let's go from like June was that June, April, May, June, July, August, June to August. Right. Uh, what would be like some key differentiating factors that you'd want to look at if you're training like a male athlete versus a female athlete? Oh man, that's a really good question. Um, there might what weather or like time frame or season wise, there might not be that many differences. It would just be, um, men tend to do better with, uh, like they can, they, it's acceptable. I think more acceptable for them to do like a linear periodization model. Whereas, mm -hmm. uh, it seems like they can do okay with like, say six up weeks. And I don't think women do as well with that many up weeks. I think, um, our cortisol levels are a little more, our cortisol is a little more sensitive to, um, the stress involved of training. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, we could get into that all day. Like do women recover as much? Do they, are they, do they have the ability to, you know, uh, they, they don't lay around and play video games, you know, like guys do in college. I saw that a lot, like cross country runners, you do a long run and then they play video games all day. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. If, I don't know if, um, women, women have that chill mode as much. I don't know. Um, 
But I do know there's some pretty cool studies about the differences in men and women. And um, basically, since like 1983, we had this 10% rule that um, the gender gap kind of stabilized um, in world records. So um, basically, men and women have been getting better at all the sports, um, strength and endurance, all the things um, at this that at a gradual rate. And it's been a 10% difference between men and women. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. And then I found this additional study um, that when we saw we equalized fat-free mass and VO2 max. So basically, if you and I had the same body fat percentage and same max VO2, and I believe this was a treadmill study, like they did a treadmill test to exhaustion, um, you would still be 4% better at, uh, that, at sports than I would. Um, so it led these study there led these these PhDs to conclude that it was really hormones that differentiated it because you know we were always saying like oh well if women just train more they train like this or train like that and it seems like it's I don't want to say it's impossible because there are some sports like um, open water swimming um, women are actually better than that at at um, at that sport than men like the Catalina Island swim and Cuba oh, Florida and stuff yeah. because women are. Yeah, because well, women are better at utilizing fat as energy because glycogen or uh, estrogen is glycogen sparing. So we're not as good as utilizing glycogen when estrogen is really high, um, but we still can access fat stores much better and, and glucose, blood glucose. Yeah, and I think women are just better at entering the pain cave than guys are as a whole, you know, like uh, <laughs> like women just have a, just like in general, women are just like, uh, man, when we do like a hit style class or like if we do something that's like, really going to be like uh like glycolytic or really going to cause some pain right like um it's typically going to be the females yeah. in the gym that are pushing a little bit harder towards the end of the workout than the guys are in general <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so then um so we've talked about like differences in hormones we've talked about like differences between men and women's sports and not just from an anatomical and physiological standpoint but from a representation standpoint as well um, we've talked about the difference in representation and men and women in the literature, which we really didn't dive that deep into because, um, uh, but guys, I think you really need to understand, like, that has been something that, um, is very new for women to be like included at, at a, at a consistent basis, or and that's not even like as close to guys are still. And like, that's super, um, super unfortunate because that's 50% of our population who's being misrepresented in, in the literature and, and how we practice and operate. So, um, bringing this to the forefront and what we're trying to do is incredibly important. Um, and um, Doc Amanda is doing an amazing job at not just um, being a super nerd on the on the literature, uh, but uh, being proactive and trying to spread the good word about the literature and why there's and why it's important to know and what the and where the holes are in the literature as well. So, um, Amanda, if somebody wanted to like reach out to you or if they wanted to learn more about what you do. Um, what would be some good resources for them? Um, I, I really like anything Stacy Sims does. Um, I mean, anyone can contact me directly. Like my Instagram is drxsmithx, and um, I try to post uh, a bunch of stuff on that. Um, but I have a bunch of resources that I'd be happy to give anyone that's really interested. Um, but Stacy Sims wrote this book called Roar. Um, it's pretty good for it's 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 actually pretty basic. Um, there's it's not too nerdy unless you'd really dive into the um, resources in the back. And then another book I really like um, is called Your Brain on Birth Control. And that talks about um, birth control, right? And um, there's actually a ton of um, bad things that go along with birth control that I really didn't know about. Um, so to really learn about that, and then sh this book also has sources in the back. So if you, if again, I'm a nerd, so I, I looked at all of them. So you can look at all that research.
research, you know. Um, so I, I, those are probably my top two. And then there's a bunch of podcasts. Um, and if you just search for those people or this, this kind of stuff, then you'll, you'll find that. You'll find that like rabbit hole to go down. Man, yeah. And that's something that we didn't even really like get into. I know that was something that we, we may have been able to, but like, uh, man, there's a lot of like not great things coming out about birth control, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it's it, pretty bad. <laughs> it's not awesome. Um, so uh, maybe another podcast on another of the day for sure. We could that could be our it's sure. a whole thing. But um, Doc, man, man, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you, you've been like it's been like a, a whirlwind. I feel like I myself need to go back and listen to this podcast a few times and really catch everything that you talked about. So. Um, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing, sharing, uh, the, some of the stuff that you're working on or learning about and, and practicing with your female athletes. And, um, yeah, I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.